0: Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Beam me up, Mario! It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. Mark, how's it going? It's going really good, Patrick.
1: Um, I'm excited for what we're about to do tonight. Uh, I guess I I don't want to give too much away. We'll get to it Mm. shortly, but uh, I'm really excited to see where we both landed with this.
0: Uh, as, as am I. Um, Mark, uh, you know, a, a lot of our uh, sort of top of the show banter in the last couple of months has re- uh, revolved around Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Whether people um, like it or not. And well, here's here's an issue. We got an email from Jason. Jason's uh, email is titled, I got a problem. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Dear Nintendo Cartridge Society, I got a problem. You spend a lot of time talking about musicals, but you haven't talked about Hamilton yet. It's been out for over a month, and you never mentioned it once. I'm not the biggest Hamilton fan, but I enjoyed the movie. I'm curious what you guys thought. Uh, talking about musicals, Andrew Lloyd Webber was light was right to not like the Cats movie. I believe 2020 is God's punishment for that abomination. Keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> Sincerely, Jason. Uh, so uh, uh, Mark, let's address the only question that's in here. Um, Hamilton uh have you watched hamilton on disney plus i i have i i have have you watched it yeah we watched it the 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 night it came out sarah uh, is a big um hamilton fan i like hamilton uh i sometimes find it a little too sincere for my taste mm, um, mm-hmm. there's there's something about the and i understand uh like Uh, intellectually that it like feeds into the narrative of the thing of like, this is Lin-Manuel Miranda being obsessed with this historical figure and like giving you all the facts and figures. But like, you know, something about just, like, kind of dopily singing, like, 1776 <laughs> makes me roll my eyes, even though I know it feeds into the main themes of the thing. And that, like, who lives, who dies, who tells your story, that's him choosing to tell the story, even though it's dorky. Anyway, um, I, I I like it. I like seeing the the stage production of, of it a lot um, and having that sort of, like, turntable in the middle of it, which both, like, connects it to hip-hop culture and musical theater because it's a very, like, lay Mis kind of thing to do. Um, So I I liked it a lot. There were a lot of uh, numbers that worked way better seeing them on stage, uh, like "Rewind," for example, Mm, mm -hmm. um, than uh, than like on the album. Uh, I'd I'd never seen a production of it before, but well, what did you think?
1: Yeah, I I really liked it a lot. I was lucky enough to um, see um, it live when it came to LA a few years ago, and but I really liked it on video. I'm actually glad that it's on Disney Plus um, because the thing that is I don't know that I always found is like a little bit like weird about Hamilton, but like about like cause some these like musicals in general is like how uh, difficult it is for people to see it. Right. Like Hamilton is, yeah, I totally. feel like it has this like, this like plucky spirit. That's all about like the people and you know, like um, but it it's so inaccessible, right? Like being able to like see, see a live production of Hamilton is like, uh impossible for the vast majority of people and so right to be able to like literally impossible now to see with the original cast exactly so like the it's so rare that you have like one of those musical experience uh musical theater experiences i guess for lack of a better term like democratized where it's just like yeah like this is available to everybody and everybody can experience this and it's not just for the precious few who like have the resources or the opportunity um, it doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter like how much money you have with like, well, yeah. except it, as long as you, you, can, you self, get a plus. Disney plus yeah. subscription, but like and so, an internet connection. <laughs> right. Right. So like that, that piece of it, yeah. I appreciate. Um, and i like, I like the show, but, uh,
0: like more than anything, that's why I'm glad that it's on Disney plus. Um, I also really like the, uh, just the technology or the, um, you know, method of filming a stage production. Um, it, it, still feels like you're watching a stage production but doesn't feel like you know a static cam in the back mm-hmm. of the uh auditorium or whatever so yeah I, I i liked it a lot um i don't know why we haven't talked about it on this show we do talk about musicals a lot
1: <laughs> <laughs> i mean i guess my brain is just wired a specific way and i blame it on andrew lloyd Webber. what can i
0: say <laughs> That makes sense. Uh, speaking of things that we can blame on Andrew Lloyd Webber, my copy of Sonic Forces. Would you like to borrow it? All you have to do, if you'd like to get on the list to do so, is send us an email to nintendo cartridge society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com and give us a mailing address where I will send it and then send it back. Uh, Mark, on this topic, uh, we got an email from Lizzie. Lizzie writes, hello to you both, long time no email. Lizzie, it is good to hear from you. Um, as you are both aware, the United States Postal Service is in some dire straits. If you weren't aware, well, it is. The current Postmaster General is someone who has strong interest in private shipping companies and therefore doesn't care very much for the post office. I believe now it is a very important time to support our postal service and workers with that in mind i implore you to resurrect the sonic forces borrowing program but not using fedex as mark had suggested on the podcast support your local post office by sending the game through the u.s mail wouldn't it be beautiful if this terrible terrible game helped save the postal service and isn't it a great opportunity for users users to support the program and the services they rely on this is my humble opinion i hope you consider it Thanks as always for the podcast, Lizzie. Lizzie, you are 100% correct. Um, I'm going to reinstitute the live, like, active version of this program using the post office tomorrow.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I am convinced, like, while you're reading that email, I had my hand over my heart. Like, this is the most patriotic I have felt in a very long
0: time. Right. I mean, the look. The post office is good. It is, it it funds itself with postage, and the only reason that it's in any dire straits right now is that it's been legislated to crap. Uh, and so we gotta we gotta support the post office. So program's going back into effect. If you want to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces, now is the time. It is no longer theoretical. Get on board. I will send you my copy. You play it for as long as you want. You send it back. I pay for postage. Postage! Both ways.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and look, if the Sonic Forces borrowing program, we've always said that it's the perfect program. And it always has been. But if it can contribute to the health of the U.S. Postal Service, truly, it is the perfect program.
0: Yeah, all I'm saying is uh, we've been calling it the perfect program. Now let's prove it. Let's (laughs) prove it. All right, Mark, we've got uh, some good nonsense to get to today. Um, So let's get into our topic of the day. We are doing the ABCs of Nintendo sci-fi. So not a super complicated... uh, uh, um Concept here. Um, we are going to go through the alphabet A to Z, and we are going to name one thing that starts with that letter that comes from some sort of Nintendo science fiction property. Um, Mark, how how did you how did you approach this? What what did you what what difficulties did you have? What do you consider sci-fi? Yeah, so we
1: did a similar episode to this back in March where we did uh, the mm-hmm. ABCs of Ze- of the Legend of Zelda series. Super straightforward. (laughs) Super straightforward and a lot easier because it was just like a single franchise. And then, uh, (laughs) I mean, honestly,
0: there was one wiki that you had to scour for, you know, like the
1: A to Zs. But with- And um, we're not,
0: he's not referring to the one wiki, which of course is the uh, Lord of the Rings wiki. (laughs) (laughs) That's a a really
1: good point. Um, But with uh, the like- abcs of nintendo sci-fi um it became a lot more challenging because like yes you have like the franchises you think of offhand like star fox f-zero metroid but then like uh the i don't know just because there were limitless possibilities it made it a lot more difficult
0: yeah and you know i I think we'll maybe discover that like some of these um or some of my answers at any rate will maybe stretch our definition of sci-fi and possibly even stretch our definition of Nintendo. But all of the games that I'm uh, mentioning here were in fact published by Nintendo. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think that's, t- I think that's totally fair. I think, um, we will, uh, learn a lot about the look. Okay. Here, what we are experiencing is the Tomorrowland problem, right? Like at, mm. if you go to Disneyland, Tomorrowland doesn't mean anything. Tomorrowland basically means, like, does it have space? It Does it reference space in some capacity? Or does it have aliens? And I think right. that is possibly, like, uh, where my definition of sci-fi, would like, that was the breaking point where it was like, ah, yes, yes, I can get into this because it has, it references outer space, it references aliens, um, there's some weird technology.
0: Yeah, uh, I would say that those, that that is... That's almost exactly the same for me too. I'm trying to think if I have anything in here that falls outside that criteria, and I do not believe that I do. <laughs> um Mark, so we should start at the beginning, which is of course a very good place to start with the letter A. Would you like to go first or would you like me to?
1: Uh I'll I'll go first. Um so my A is Adam Malkovich, the um mm, commander or yes. ex-commander from uh the Metroid series. Probably most famous for um, Metroid Other M, where we learn a lot about him, his relationship with Samus. And um, it's not a lot of fun to get through because it becomes like a gameplay limitation. So basically, Samus is on this planet. Um, A bunch of soldiers that are led by Adam show up. And they're like, Samus, you don't have to be here. Get out of here. And she's like, no, I'm going to stay. And he's like, fine, you can stay as long as you uh, like. listen to what I tell you to do. And so uh, he, you have to wait for him to give you permission to use the items that you have. It's a real so it's bummer. Like, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, nope, like, see that chasm? Like, technically, you have the grapple beam,
0: but Adam won't let you use it. And, all, like, all of that is, a, a, at the very least, like... You can understand it like intellectually of like, no, he hasn't authorized that ordinance. Fine. But there's also uh, a time when he authorizes you to use the various suit so that you can ex- uh, so that you can be in like high temperatures. And previously that you've been in hot spaces and just been hurting yourself <laughs> because you haven't been using the suit because he hasn't told you to use it yet. Um Adam Malkovich is also uh referred to uh multiple times in Metroid Fusion mm-hmm. um because the AI that is guiding Samus through um this like federation uh space station um is reminding her of uh of this like overbearing commander. Um so it it's it's interesting Slash uh the opposite of interesting that other M was like, <laughs> okay, yeah, now let's actually show that relationship. Um, it's this weird like sub-dom thing uh in fusion, and then just becomes sort of gross in uh when you see it actually play out in Other M. My A mark is Argonia, which is the planet that the good aliens are from in Star Tropics. Argonia. Yes, um, so uh, Star Tropics, of course, is the NES uh, anti-classic that uh, stars Mike Jones, who is a um, uh, an archaeologist's nephew um he plays baseball and is super american uh, and he goes <laughs> he goes to some island somewhere to visit his uncle who's been studying people uh, only to discover that his uncle has been kidnapped by aliens you go up into alien ships and discover that like he's at the heart of some like intergalactic war argonia is the planet that houses the like sweet little elf people who end up being your allies at the very end of that game oh gotcha so, kind of a, kind of a stealth uh, sci fi um, because it does not reveal its sci fi roots until like seven chapters out of nine into that game.
1: But nice to get a Star Tropics reference up here early in our uh, yeah. alphabet. It's the last one, it's my only one. <laughs> <laughs> wow, so neither of us went for Zoda
0: for Z. Interesting, because there are multiple Zodas (laughs) that we could discuss. We'll we'll talk about it when we get there. Um, So for my B, we'll go back and forth like this. Um, For my B, I got to go with, speaking of uh, Metroid, got to go with the baby the baby Metroid, um, this is uh, one of my favorite elements in all of Metroid. Um, at the end of Metroid 2, Samus uh, has been has spent the whole time eliminating uh, Metroids from the face of the universe until she comes across one egg and it hatches and there's a tiny little uh, baby Metroid inside and she takes pity on it and causes the rest of the series to happen because she doesn't kill this thing. Um, and uh, it's it's one of those, uh, Metroid is so like Alien, the series, um, but it seemingly beat the Alien movie series to the, like, Ripley has a relationship, mm-hmm. Samus has a relationship with uh, the Alien. Uh, and I, I always thought that was super cool.
1: Yeah, and, uh, you know, speaking of Adam from uh, Metroid Other M, the baby definitely and her, Samus's memories of the baby feature very prominently in the dialogue
0: and story of Other M. Yeah, to its detriment. so much so where like even writing it on this list, I wrote it as the baby slash the baby Metroid because (laughs) I always think of it as the baby Metroid, but Samus, God lover, only calls the thing (laughs) the baby. And it's like, girl, you know that's not a baby, right? (laughs) You know it is like a a life-sucking parasite that would kill you, uh except it you know loves you <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right so my c is
0: a game that i have not played no no played. you're b
1: oh did i not do b oh we did okay whew, thank you yeah. thank goodness okay so my b is still on the theme of metroid we're just talking bounty hunters baby oh yeah <laughs> love bounty hunters and put them in space and it's even like uh it's the icing on top of the cake hey i got no objections to bobo fett <laughs> another b <laughs> okay so now moving on to c uh it's a game i haven't played but i am fascinated by it's code name steam and steam of course stands for the strike team for eliminating the alien menace
0: so i have a code name steam um character later on this list um but uh any uh, i will now entertain any uh questions or observations you have about code name steam <laughs> well one of the things i
1: think is so like uh, I knew this was true, but I didn't really appreciate the implications of it until recently, that it was developed by Intelligent Systems, which is the same develop- yes! developer that makes uh, the Fire Emblem series and Paper Mario. And they had this, like, really unique um, Nintendo 3DS, like, spinoff where the story is just, like, totally bonkers Um it like features like Henry. It's, it's Fleming, wild insanity. <laughs> who's like the 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 name na- shares the same name as the character from like the Red Badge of Courage, but then also like their Wizard of Oz characters. Abraham Lincoln is featured prominently.
0: John Henry is a character in this. Yeah, uh, like it, it it goes on and on. Um, that it's just taking uh characters from like American uh history folklore and uh literature and jamming them up into a um steampunk alien invasion turn based uh tactical shooting game i think that's it i think i described <laughs> it <laughs> well and unlike um or correct me if i'm wrong but like
1: unlike fire emblem where you have this like overhead view of the battlefield
0: like codename steam does not play like that at all no codename steam so still it still takes place um, uh, you know, in, uh, it, it is still turn-based. Um, but when you move the units around the map, you never get like a full aerial view of the map. Um, instead it's like a, you know, third person over the shoulder camera. So... Um, that just like follows the character for however long uh, you know you you can move them, and it means that you have to anticipate you know what's happening around blind corners, um, and frequently you can't actually see where the enemy is or what they're doing, and not from any sort of like convoluted fog of war um, that you'll see in a lot of games, uh, strategy games, um, but just because they are uh, physically out of sight um so yeah it's uh it it is really cool in that regard um and one of the things that I always think about with with this poor game um is that like it it reviewed okay when it came out um but one of the like uh huge complaints about it, and like totally justifiable is that while the enemy turns play out, they play out in real time, so like you know it'll uh pick an alien character it'll oh, move across the map uh-huh. and then it'll move um And uh, for so much of the game, they're not within your line of sight. So you'll just see like the camera just sort of like glide around um, like, and sometimes these turns will take up to a minute um, of you just holding your 3DS and being like, when is this going to end? But shortly after launch, they patched in a uh, fast forward feature. So uh, on the enemy turns, you could speed it up to four times speed uh, and it greatly improves um, the pacing of that game. And I think if it had launched with it, it may be like held up as a modern 3ds strategy classic
1: wow because but i I mean yeah that without it it sounds that sounds pretty painful
0: yeah i mean it it was it was not fun to sit through uh, a minute what because you know like as soon as you take a turn in a strategy game you're like you just want to make your next turn and then the Mm -hmm. game's like no 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 we gotta we gotta sit here and wait for a minute while you can't see what's happening Uh, For my C, I'm bringing us back to Metroid. Not all of these are Metroid, (laughs) Um, but uh, I got to go with the Chozo, Um, the ancient race of bird people that raised Samus. It's unclear what her relationship is with these creatures, but like her ship and her armor are Chozo technology Um, on most planets that she finds herself at. There are Chozo ruins everywhere. Um, they're really cool. And on the uh, odd occasion where you have to fight one of those Chozo statues, uh, it's always like neat and dramatic and feels fun and exciting. I thought the Chozo were like, like long dead. I thought they were super ancient. No, I don't think, I mean, they, they are ancient, but I believe that there are some around. Can you hear that, uh, police siren in my... Microphone. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Uh well apologies everyone. There's something (laughs) happening outside. Um I I believe that some of them are still around. Oh, interesting. Because they created the Metroids. Yes. Yes. Okay. And and a lot of the technology. They look, they created the morph ball, allowing Samus to roll herself up into a little ball (laughs) and like climb around on stuff. Um they they are like the architects of all of the stuff that happens in uh, the Metroid games. Uh, I get to go next. Uh, my D, uh, look, uh, Shadows of the Empire published on the Nintendo 64 by Nintendo. I'm going with Dash Rendar, baby. Oh, nice. That's so good. I'm so glad you got, uh, Shadows of the Empire in there. Uh, Dash Rendar, of course, uh, you know, because you can't play as Han Solo in a game that takes place (laughs) between Empire and Jedi. Um, yeah, I mean he's uh, Dash Rendar is a is a character that I remember feeling good things about. I don't know if it's from that game or from reading the um Steve Perry uh, Shadows of the Empire book. Probably from the book. Um but he was just a cool guy who's basically Han Solo. <laughs> yeah, totally. The he's a long tra-
1: tradition of like uh Star Wars expanded universe characters that are essentially Han Solo um just with slight details and you know honestly like um the Force Awakens or like the Star Wars sequel trilogy like totally continues on that tradition with Poe Dameron as well Absolutely plus uh, episode 7 just had Han Solo in <laughs> That's so good. Any mention of Dash Rendar, because um, I think now technically, even though canon doesn't really matter, technically non-canonical yeah, at this point. But mm-hmm. I think there's enough love for Dash Rendar that I expect that he will eventually show up in uh, some like official Star Wars story at some point in the future. They
0: did it with Thrawn, so
1: uh, you know they can do it for Dash. I feel like Thrawn was loved a little bit more than Dash, R- Dash Rendar is, but they'll run I out mean, of Thrawn's maybe. eventually, and then they're going to have to like
0: go to those B and C tiers. I mean, they can't do Mara Jade, right? Does right. she make sense even not being Luke Skywalker's wife? Like, I, I don't know what the point would be. Yeah. Uh, Mark, what's
1: your D? My D is Dinosaur Planet. Yeah! So, (laughs) Dinosaur Planet was a game developed by Rare um, that was originally going to be like an N64 game and eventually moved to GameCube. And you might know this game as uh, Star Fox Adventures, as it was uh, later released on the GameCube. But for a long time in its development, it was not related to Star Fox at all. It was a completely unrelated game called Dinosaur Planet and then at some point Shigeru Miyamoto like was reviewing the game and was like oh there's a lot of similarities here to Star Fox should we just make it a Star Fox game and so that's how it eventually became Star Fox Adventures and this was one of like the first like uh, I remember this being one of when I learned about like that Star Fox Adventure had been a completely different game beforehand. That was one of my first, like, introductions to this, to, like, that that was even a possibility, like, the wonders of game development in that kind of way. Sure,
0: yeah. <laughs> that that they would have a game idea, and then Nintendo would be like, hey, you know what? This feels like uh, this kind of game. Yeah. Also amazing, amazing that they made that connection, because, like, it's in space, but, like... <laughs> and there are animals, like, Yes, but yeah, it does it does not uh I, they, they, I th- they don't so, feel like a natural pairing. I think the connection is crystal, right? I think so. Crystal had already been invented because she appears in Star Fox 2. Oh. We yeah, didn't know that. I guess at you're right. Time, right. Right. But right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um mark your e oh right um so my e is earthbound
1: and um the rpg for the super nintendo but specifically which again really just involves like a normal kid but there's aliens um but the the part that i really want to talk about with earthbound is i'm and forgive me because i don't know how you pronounce this villain's name for sure i think it's gaiagus gaiagus
0: yeah, or Gyagas or whatever. Yeah, Gyagas, yeah. yeah.
1: But like uh so Gyagas is like the big bat of the game. And um it, th- so part of Earthbound is like when you're fighting some enemies, like it can be a little trippy, it can be a little psychedelic with like the backgrounds and everything. But uh like Gyagas or Gigas, like he that fight, like Gigas himself is like it is trippy, but it's also in a very like menacing, like dark kind of way. It's like a, a red like blood red black background and there's this like specter or being that's like twisting around inside of it it's it's really interesting like the rest of the game i wouldn't say is like particularly dark but this like final encounter is like pretty brutal
0: yeah, Earthbound has that quality. It's almost Kirby-esque, but they, they kind of do more to um disorient you in, in Earthbound, where everything feels very cute, but also like just a shade off of normal. Um, like you mentioned the sort of like trippy backgrounds with that like kind of mode seven like wobbliness. Um and then when it caches in and is like uh now we're using that disorientation to like make you scared like it is genuinely scary um and uh yeah that 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 game is is uh, a special little thing um my e and unfortunately my f are both sort of repeats of things we've already talked about um my e is the Earthwalker tribe which is uh from star fox adventures that is the name of the like uh, clan of Dinosaurs that Prince Tricky is a member of. Prince Tricky, uh, a notoriously maligned uh, character, um, because he's just like a tiny Triceratops who, like, you know, <laughs> whines and cries, and no one likes. Um. So anyway, the Earth Walker tribe. Uh. And then my what F is what, is what is it about, yeah.
1: like, uh, Triceratops, like, um, that they have that uh feeling about them, right? Because you have Prince Tricky, then you also have. Uh, is it Sarah from the Land Before Time mm-hmm. series, who is C- also oh, right, a little yeah. bit like like insufferable and mean? And um...
0: yeah, I don't know. It th- that's a great question. Um, uh, my favorite Triceratops is also my favorite dinosaur in all the Jurassic Park movies. The the one that uh, Alan Grant like lays oh, the one that's on, sick? And, like it yeah, breeds. yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that yeah, that's a good dinosaur. <laughs> that is a good. Dinosaur, not the Pixar movie. Um, No, that's right. I I said then my F is Henry Fleming um, uh, as he appears in Codename Steam. You already mentioned uh, he is, of course, also the protagonist of the Red Badge of Courage. Although I think you said that he has the same name. I think it just... Is him. Oh, Um, that's even crazier. (laughs) Yeah, it is crazier because it means that they took a character from a book, not from like a fantasy novel, but just like. (laughs) No, from like a famously like, boy, isn't war terrible? Yes. And then they were like, okay, now let's see what happens to him 20 years later when he's a war hero and fighting aliens for Abe Lincoln. So like, (laughs) it's just craziness. uh, And I just wanted to give a shout out to Henry Fleming uh
1: the my f is f zero just as a franchise um yeah i like i know there's an there's like an anime and there's been manga and like stuff like that but f zero to me has always seemed like a very thin premise and it that's really like all it needs right it's just like this like supersonic racing in the future with cool looking um like cities and characters and ships and so I've always like liked the aesthetic. I've always liked the music, but it's not like a series that I've ever like uh, gotten really deep into because I it, it doesn't feel like there's a ton there, but not in a bad so, way where you're like yeah, like there's yeah, like a ton of characters gameplay. and there is like lore yeah. that like loops in on each other, but it's not. But it's still just like a racing game first
0: and foremost. Right. Will we be talking about some of that lore later in this episode? Possibly. <laughs> oh yeah. For sure. Uh
1: my G is uh Geist, the wow. N Space Developed Um GameCube game. And this one, like, is it sci-fi? I guess I would argue yes like it's supernatural sci-fi like people's souls are being removed from their bodies Geist is a really interesting game like um it's super weird that nintendo published it it's like an m-rated game uh they came out like four years into the gamecube's life and you're it's basically like a you know like the trap the trappings of a shooter in the sense that like you're playing like somebody who's part of like a tactical counterterrorism group but then there's this like weird like supernatural science like layer where people's like souls are being removed from their bodies, and so the gameplay yeah. is not like your typical like shooter because you're you know you are possessing different like people and objects and animals in order to like progress through the game. Uh, it's just bonkers, like it's totally wild. I don't know that it's uh, like I don't know how you would play it nowadays. I'm not even sure it's worth playing, but I love that it exists. Yeah. It's like the devil's third of uh, GameCube, yeah, where yeah, it's yes. like, why, like, why did this happen? Why did this happen?
0: Look, uh, Nintendo and everyone makes mistakes every generation. <laughs> weird, show, weird stuff happens all the time. Um, my G is, of course, Grippy Toad, the one of the two main protagonists of Star Fox Guard. Um this is a game that no one played because it is the pack-in game with Star Fox 0 for the Wii U. I think you can also buy it separately, but like uh, that feels weird. Um this game, the Star Fox Guard is a Mark, how would you describe it? It's like a tactical um tower defense. Yeah, it's perspective it's, game.
1: Yeah, it it's it's a cool it's an interesting spin like an inter- on tower defense because you're setting up security cameras and you're basically yes. trying to like and then uh security cameras that you're strategically placing throughout a maze essentially and um you're trying to
0: prevent these enemy robots from like making it to the center of the maze yeah your role is basically to sit in the control room and watch the camera feed from all of these like monitor robots and that's how like they Game actually makes really compelling use of the the dual screen experience mm-hmm. of of the Wii U, um, especially like with touchpads. So you can like go to individual um, cameras and like zoom in and like you know fine tune their aim or whatever. Um, and Grippy is uh, Slippy's uncle or grandfather or something. He's another frog, um, and they work together to try and you know fend off the forces of evil.
1: Yeah, it's interesting to me that this was like a pack in to Star Fox Zero. And the like, it was its own discrete thing because it feels very much like you know in Kirby games. There's like the there's the main quest, and then there's like a bunch of mini games. And Star Fox Guard totally feels to me like it should have been, like it could have been one of those just like mini games that's part of the Star Fox Zero package, which I guess technically it kind of
0: is since it was packed in with the game and sold for sixty bucks. Like you know, it 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 was still the the price of uh, of a game. Um, I think they were just really trying to uh convince you that like you were getting uh, uh something of value. <laughs> um so uh I guess h h then falls to me. Um Mark, you know I got to go with Harry, the uh main character from the Virtual Boy classic Tellero Boxer. Oh is nice. This <laughs> is this just a punch out game but with robots instead of uh offensive ethnic stereotypes? Yes it is. <laughs> um is it one of the like four playable games <laughs> for the virtual <laughs> boy also yes um yeah harry doesn't have a lot of personality just like um uh just like little mac didn't really before uh super smash brothers um harry is one of those that i keep po- like i want him to be in smash so bad it's such a good obscure
1: pull. that would be so much fun do you think that he could just be like a alternate skin for little mac Ooh, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, we just need more, like, virtual boy celebration in general. Yeah, could he
0: be just a me fighter costume? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my H is um,
1: Hamano, comma, Minako. So the person is Minako Hamano, and she is a composer who worked on the Metroid series. Um, and cool. worked on like yeah worked on a lot uh, and this is one that you know a hundred percent I did not know this name but I was going through the like uh, Metroid wiki looking for an H. Um, she also worked on the Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening and one p- potentially apocryphal uh, like anecdote about working on Super Metroid is that apparently she originally recorded voice samples for um samus like the game over or something like that but apparently like it was determined that uh her voice work was like a little it sounded a little bit too
0: sexual so they couldn't use Mm. it (laughs) that's good that's a good choice (laughs) then yeah (laughs) um but uh that's awesome the music in super metroid is of course incredible um the uh brinstar depth and uh overgrowth or whatever the name of that track was made it into uh our finals i believe for the uh best nintendo piece of music um contest so uh, yeah and there, yeah, that's, there awesome. there've
1: been like you know there she had a there were other composers who worked on super metroid and have worked with her on other metroid games but she is where she also i can't remember did i say that she also worked on links awakening it's probably what she's yeah. best known for But she's worked on a number of uh, Metroid games. Uh,
0: And her name again is just uh, Minako Hamano? Mm Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, All right, Mark, your eye. My eye is internet favorites.
1: (laughs) You're right. This is true. (laughs) So um, I feel like the Metroid series, F-Zero, even Star Fox, like, these are series that especially like that have a following and like they have a rabid fan base online but that hasn't really translated into like this the series are not like huge like dominating series like they have uh waxed and waned but uh nintendo has struggled to figure out like what exactly to do with them but there is this like hunger and like appetite for it, so it's like it's a fan favorite. All of these are fan favorites, but um, it's almost like they're better off living in people's minds sometimes than like as actual experiences.
0: Yeah, totally. And th- they're they're also the like sort of, you know, like core uh core gamer like aesthetic um in in a way that like most Nintendo properties aren't. Um, it, I mean, it is interesting in going over, uh, this A to Z list that we are, we end up coming back to a lot of the same games, um, because Nintendo doesn't really deal too much in science fiction. Um, but like whenever they do, man, the internet is there and wants it so bad.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I feel like, um, like Star Fox is probably in Star Fox followed by F-Zero and probably Metroid, I would put it like the most not Nintendo's aesthetic because mm-hmm. it's very, you know, like I, I'm about to say this about a series called about like about the Metroid series, but it's like like too grounded in reality almost. Like it's source material like you said is like aliens, right? Like it's um, Yeah, totally. it's something that comes from like a more like dark place. Whereas like Star Fox is more like um like an Indiana Jones type rip-roaring adventure that like feels more Akin
0: to what like Nintendo is known for, yeah, totally, um internet fan bases that's good, mark. um, my eye is the ice beam uh from Metroid, uh always present in the Metroid games because, look, if you're gonna fight a metroid, you gotta freeze that bad boy, you just <laughs> gotta it's part of it, um my j is. Uh, A little NES game, a little, not NES game, a little Famicom game called Joy Mecha Fight. Mark, are you familiar with Joy Mecha Fight? Oh, uh, no, I don't think so. It is a very late era Famicom game that never was localized uh, to the West. Um, that is a fighting game. Um, and all of the characters are robots made up of like discrete, uh, like several discrete sprites that sort of like float around independently of each other. So they're like little robots made of balls. And there are 20, 26 there's something like 26 or 30 characters in this game which is an absurdly high number for any any fighting game at that time um even kind of too high now um but this was all on an nes cart um so it was a uh a compression marvel um it's a game that i've uh never played um but being you know uh a Old school Nintendo and fighting game enthusiast is one that I've always wanted to get my hands on. One of those like lost classics that I just wish they would bring over on like the NES Switch Online or something like that. Oh, it, wait, didn't I go first on I? I think you're up uh, for Jay. I just did Jay. Joy Mecha <laughs> Fight. Oh, <my> gosh. <laughs> <laughs> So now you right. got Jay. Okay, great. Uh, I got, I got this, I got this down, Mark. Okay,
1: <laughs> I, I'll, I will stop doubting. I'll just like roll with whatever you throw me.
0: Ah, uh, James McCloud
1: is my Jay. Mm, um, father so, McCloud. Yes, and uh, so talking, speaking of like Nintendo taking this kind of like Indiana Jones, Star Wars like adventure vibe that really works well for Star Fox and makes it so appealing. I feel like James McCloud hangs so heavy over Star Fox 64 in a really like cinematic way that um mm. like has left such an impression on me cuz like I th- think going back if I like went back and played Star Fox 64, I there's probably not a ton of story, but the story that they do have where it's like, you know, like uh you're father died and now you're taking the mantle and you know fox mcleod has to like you're not really out for revenge but like you are avenging your father's death by taking on Andros.
0: and then at, I the, mean, end, at, at like, the very least you're trying to live up to his legacy
1: and then yeah. at the end his like if you get have like the special ending like basically his ghost like you know guides you out so it feels very like mm-hmm. star warsy a
0: little bit Like, um, almost, almost feels a little Battlestar Galactica-y in that way of, like, uh, they're never going to explain, but, like, the ghost of someone just appeared in a spaceship. (laughs) And so, for, like, uh, I think
1: I've always found that to be, like, really cool about Star Fox 64, um, that it has that sort of, like, really, like, rip-roaring adventure movie, like, adventure serial type aesthetic to it and like the story totally
0: plays out that way as well James also like introduces the idea of like Star Fox past right because like Peppy was part of his crew. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, it just it, it only takes a little bit to sort of, like, convince you that um, what you're seeing in this game is just a snapshot of what happens in this universe over time. Um, and it just feels like, you know, lived in and cool. Um, plus, he's basically Fox McCloud, but he wears sunglasses. <laughs> it's like cool on top of cool. Yeah. Double Cool.
1: Next is K and for K I'm going a little bit outside of the box. I think, although you mentioned this franchise earlier, it's Kirby bosses, Um, Kirby in general, and we'll show up a little bit later on my list, but like is a really interesting series because it, it has this like cute aesthetic, but it gets wild. Like it goes to places that like, and I think it's, um a kirby game can go anywhere right like it starts out in dreamland Mm -hmm. and then you're like in space on a spaceship like trying to like defeat a giant reactor and then like you're like all over the place and it's one of the cool things about kirby is that like you know you're gonna start in this like dreamland aesthetic but you could end up pretty much anywhere um my favorite kirby game is uh superstar i don't know why i think that's what it's called i'm just blanking on it right now but the snes game and it yeah. has like a number of bosses in there that you're like oh this is like really weird and interesting like computer virus which kind of turns it into like a uh, turn-based rpg a little bit or um marks where you're like kind of like on this weird like never-ending plane that like is continuing to barrel forward and then there's this like clown thing that's appearing and disappearing. Um the end of Star Allies is wild when you're fighting like the void uh termina type like big like giant thing with an eye in the middle of its chest. Um so yeah, I feel like Kirby bosses you don't think of Kirby as being like sci-fi, but it totally right. gets there.
0: Uh no, I I think I think that absolutely qualifies, especially saying uh the the bosses because there is you know, like you say like a whole uh, section of Kirby that is very terrestrial, very, uh, earthbound. And it's only, um, when the game wants to really challenge you that it's like, that's it. We're going into space and, you know, fighting monsters and demons and stuff. Uh, so for my K Mark, I'm going to say this and then we're going to have to determine if I've gone back to Metroid too many times, (laughs) uh, I choose Kraid, one of the uh, main bosses from the Metroid series. Um, he appears in the first one as a, uh, a like, green dinosaur sprite about as tall as Samus. Uh, and then when you encounter him in uh, Super Metroid, he's two screens tall. Um, and, like, it's a, a terrifying ordeal. He and Ridley are, like, the, the backbone of, like, memorable villains. Like, Mother Brain is maybe on that list, too. But, like you know she's a brain in a jar. Uh Crate and Ridley are like they have like weird sweaty personality, especially Crate. You know Crate smells bad. You know he does. <laughs> yeah, Crate uh Kraid is definitely iconic. He
1: has like um he's kind of like an alligator, but he has these weird like three holes in his like torso. Um, going from like blow like his entire belly yeah. is covered with them. And then like little like spikes, like come out of it. Uh, yeah, he's,
0: he's a Godzilla who shoots
1: teeth out of his belly buttons. Like it's, <laughs> but he's it a Godzilla is weird. He's out of, who's out of shape and probably yes. smells like cheese. Um,
0: but a Godzilla nonetheless. L I'm going back to Star Fox. Uh, For the great Leon, uh, one of the members of Star Wolf, Um, he's like an iguana or something. Uh, He is the, so Star Wolf, uh, if you've never played Star Fox before, is the sort of uh, evil version of star fox um i don't know why but they hate each other uh it's because one of you is the good guys and one of you is the bad guys um and uh leon brings leon brings this uh sort of like theatricality to the proceedings that no one else like he's one of those bad guys who's like look sarah and i just watched most of robin hood uh prince of thieves the other night the Kevin Costner, like Mm -hmm. 1991 Robin hood movie, um, where he's just talking in like a normal American accent. He's just talking in a regular American accent, but Alan Rickman is playing the sheriff of Nottingham and he chews the scenery and is like, every scene is so big. Um, and like the movie is almost, almost saved by his like over the top performance. And I feel the same way about Leon in uh, star Fox. He You know, I said, I said, this uh, L is for the great Leon. Uh, That's how he announces himself when he flies in, (laughs) where it's like, you get that little music cue of like da na na, and then Star Wolf flies in, uh, and like everyone's like talking trash, and you know Pigma's like murr, 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 and Andrew's like Andross's enemy is my enemy, <laughs> and Leon goes I am the great Leon, <laughs> like he's got some flair, he's got some style, um, and Star Wolf just as like a as an entity uh, as a group. Is so cool. I love the like evil versions of the good guys. Um, that's so much fun. I wish they would put out a Star Wolf game where you're just playing as the Star Wolf squad. That's basically <laughs> just a Star Fox game. How
1: cool would that be? And that that's what the but like pack in with Star Fox Zero should have been. It's like Star Fox Zero, but from the opposite perspective. Ah, so good. Star Fox Negative Zero. <laughs> Yeah, I guess you would still just call it Star Fox Zero. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my L is also from Star Fox, and it's the Lilat System, which is just oh, like yeah. the the universe in which Star Fox exists. And one of the things I like it is um, kind of like the same thing I've been talking about with the Star Fox in general, where the specifics of Star Fox have never stuck with me that well. Like, th- I couldn't tell you a million details about the lilet system, but it hits all of, like, the standard, like, sci-fi universe things that you want to see that it feels totally. really, like, um, memorable is not the right word, but it feels really, like, comfortable and familiar where you're just, like, yeah, like, I can slide right into this and I'm, like, really at home Uh, when I'm playing these games, because it feels like so much of like the science fiction and science fantasy that I love already that, um, it's just like playing a Star Fox game and being in like Corneria and all that kind of stuff. You're just like, yeah, like this clicks. It all makes sense to me.
0: Um, is it, uh, the original Star Fox or Star Fox 64 that in, uh, Europe is called the Lilat Wars? I am not might be the original. sure. Um, which like it's I guess it's uh for a new franchise as iconic as Star Fox. Um, in fact, Star Fox is maybe uh a, a worse name. I don't know. I oh I like oh the idea. Uh, yeah,
1: it was yeah. I it was Star Fox sixty four in the Pal region was known as
0: Lilo Wars. Okay, great. Um, but yeah, just uh, just to know that like the the setting for. Um, the conflict is, uh, you know, enough. It'd be like calling um a a Zelda game, you know, the Hyrule Wars, which I guess Hyrule Warriors did.
1: And my M is Mother Brain, so mm, I, I yeah. agree. With, I agree with you that like Mother Brain is more iconic to me as a concept than as like an actual like character. Totally. Like the design of Kraid and stuff like that is definitely. Uh, much more memorable and much more interesting even when like mother brain kind of like grows legs at the end of super metroid a different (laughs) yeah 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 but i i think that fight itself in super metroid like we talked about uh in our retro month episode on it back in april is so like iconic and so much fun and does like so much heavy lifting in storytelling because like you were saying so much of metroid or what would happened in the Metroid series story-wise after Super Metroid came down to that comes down to that encounter with like the baby and totally it does all of it with like with zero dialogue in on a 16-bit system in just a few seconds and it does all of that heavy lifting that the rest of the franchise has been able to like incorporate and um, it's like weirdly like heroic and emotional and a lot of fun for it to, like, happen.
0: Yeah, and, like, it, it makes Mother Brain sort of the, like, perfect villain in that moment, right? Because the the game pulls such a uh, a weird trick where it makes you love the Metroid, right? Because it saves you from her uh, and, like, starts filling up your life. And this is after it, like, tried to drain all, all of your life. <laughs> so, you know, uh, you take some, you lose some. Um, uh, but then, you know, when it's like, it's sitting on top of you and, uh, restoring your health and mother brain is just like beating away at this thing. Just like shooting it, shooting it, shooting it. Um, and then like it pulls away and then like takes one last swing at her and she just shoots it out of the sky. And it is like, oh man, it's such like delicious villainness where it's like, that's going to inspire Samus to like, you know, blow you away. <laughs> the baby, the like, baby, the baby. And and save the baby, the baby, the baby. <laughs> Um, mark my M, and then uh, we're, we're going to take a, a, a break and do the rest of the alphabet on next week's episode because it turns out uh, we like to talk about each of these entries for <laughs> uh, multiple minutes. Um, so this is this is a part one of a two-parter, um, but my M is, of course, Mute City from F-Zero. Um, what a track, what a piece of music, what a, like, just sort of foundational uh like it, it's aesthetic is so foundational to what's cool about f-zero um like you know i i know there there are there's there's big blue and there's like the uh um is it uh death death planes desert whatever like if everything else in the game feels kind of like at a distance mute city feels like you are death racing at high speeds in a city <laughs> um you know, of like millions of people, um and the music is so good and so tight, um and the colors are so great and vibrant, um while also being like i don't know this the the like urban aesthetic of um f zero like shows through in that where like it really does feel like concrete and metal and glass, like you're racing around coruscant or something, yeah, Not absolutely coruscant. yes Coruscant. yeah,
1: like i I feel like um. Uh, it, there's a reason why Mute City has persisted and why it is like the iconic track because I think it does sum up that F-Zero aesthetic perfectly in like one moment and it totally captures your imagination. Because like you're saying, like uh, it, it, even though uh, uh, Coruscant would come later from Star Wars, you know, like it feels like so familiar. It feels like, yeah, this is what like a future city uh, will be like.
0: Yeah, well, it's a little Blade Runner y too in 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 that regard, right? Uh, yeah, like Mute City, uh, Captain Falcon, and the Blue Falcon. Like those are those three individual items are F zero to me. Um, and so, like, you get Mute City's got to go on this list. Um, all right, Mark, those are our A through M. Uh, we're gonna do N through Z next week, but for now, uh, let's close this out. Okay that's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember please rate review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you if you like the episode please rate uh, the, the same things I just said, share it on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, we will get to the second half of the alphabet next week. Uh, thank you for sticking around and listening to us. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell. And the show is at Nin Cart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape of Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apabetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying thank you for listening. rachel oscar yeah Yeah, claire Claire? do you love disney movies Uh uh-huh have you seen them all not Not all all of them them. what do you guys think if we watch them all in chronological order and then talk about them Ooh!
1: oh and what if we could talk about it with some of our favorite friends
0: (gasps) i love that yeah what if we do it inside the disney vault you know that's the name of our podcast inside the disney vault on campfire media
1: yeah check us out on apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to yours that's inside the disney vault let's go
0: Campfire.